0: Well, let's uh, let's begin by going to the Lord in prayer today, Father. As we open up Your Word again, we thank You for it by um, for through Your Word, Lord, You impart to us the truth about so many things, not least of which is the revelation of Yourself and the revelation of. Of your Son, uh, who is our Savior, uh, the revelation of of your Spirit, by whose strength we uh, we live out each day to your glory, and in whom we rest secure um, for our coming reward and rest in heaven. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, just binding us together around your word that upon it we stand in a firm place on a solid rock and we ask that you would open it to us this morning that our hearts our souls our minds would be a fertile place for the seed of of your word to be sown today that we would be not only hearers of your word but doers of it that it would take effect on our life to produce uh, the fruit of, of Christ's likeness, the, the fruit that flows out of true repentance and faith in you. And so we ask this uh, knowing that this is what you have said you want to do in us and through us. And so we ask for that and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'd like to start off here by, uh, we spent the last uh, couple or few weeks there working through um, verses 19 through 25 in Hebrews chapter 10 and I'd like us to just start off so that we have the right context going into this passage today. Uh, I'd, like, I'd like you to stand with me as we join together uh, in, uh, in reading this together. Um, these verses that we've been going through. Hebrews uh, ten nineteen through 25 Join with me. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Thank you. You may be seated. Last, last week we looked at... Uh, The tail end of of our passage about uh, considering how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day is drawing near. The day mentioned here represents... um, depending on whether or not you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it represents uh, one of two realities uh, for you. you. If you have not received Christ as your Savior and your Lord by faith in Him, then the reality that you face in the day, what that day represents is God's wrath against sin and rebellion the coming of His wrath against sin, against sinners. And it represents that the day as it's spoken of there, it represents eternal punishment in hell for those who have been unrepentant over their sin, for those who have rejected God's gift in Jesus Christ. But the day represents something else to those who have received that gift by faith. The day represents the reception of your heavenly rest and reward in Christ. The day represents the beginning of an eternity free from sin, free from evil, free from decay, free from corruption, free from fear, free from sadness, and in the presence of the Lord. And so the day, as it's referred to here, it represents two things to, to the Hebrews. Um, for, the, for the believers, it represents a hope. It represents glory coming. But for those uh, who we're going to find out, there's, a, there's warnings throughout Hebrews that do not, do not be like the faithless generation of Moses who received the revelation of God and yet still rejected Him. And the, we'll have that warning again in our passage today. And for those who, do, who are in that boat, who have received the truth, and yet um, squandered the opportunity given to them in the receiving of that truth, who have perhaps even held that truth of, of God's sacrifice of His Son... Held that in contempt. That they stand in the path of God's judgment, of His wrath, of His punishment. Now, um, God has offered something of, of incomparable price. In Jesus Christ and to turn that down to reject that or to treat that as if it's nothing puts you in a very fearful path of the coming judgment of God and that's what we're going to look at in our passage today as Hebrews gives encouragement to the believers here in the, in, in the verses we just read together about the, the confidence we have in drawing near to God, um, that we have the high priest, the great high priest of Jesus Christ, that we can draw near to Him, that we have been sprinkled clean in Him, And that encouragement to hold fast that hope that we've been given. That confession that we've made of Christ being our Lord and our Savior. And then that strong encouragement of considering how to stir one another up. Hebrews goes again to a warning against disregarding the gift of God. Against disregarding the revelation that God has given to us and um and this this should this warning should cause us as i as i think it should have for the for the believers receiving this letter uh should have caused them and should cause us to do a couple of things one to take stock of ourselves to do some real self-evaluation to to uh to analyze our own heart as to whether or not we have embraced Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, receiving His forgiveness through His sacrifice, or whether we are holding Him at arm's length or ignoring Him altogether, rejecting Him in our heart. And that would be the first thing, I think, that we should consider. And the second one is this. If you judge yourself as, having, uh, as believing in Christ, as holding tightly to that sacrifice by faith, than to consider others who still stand in the path of God's judgment. You, now having been imparted with the truth of Christ and having received Him as Lord and Savior, now have the unique capacity in this world to help others be made right with God and to escape God's coming judgment. In fact, the Scriptures say that we have been made ministers of reconciliation. That is, that God has entrusted to us the gospel message that others may be made right with Him through our testimony. So let's... uh, Consider those things as we go through our passage today, and if you, are, if you have received Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, uh, then cherish what God has saved you from. Um, marvel today, and be grateful for what we're going to talk about, that God has rescued you from that and if you have not received Christ as lord and savior be fearful today of what we're going to talk about because what we're going to talk about is something that you still stand in the path of and God's judgment is unavoidable so let's let's look at verse 26 chapter 10 verse 26 Anyone rejecting God's gift of salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ, has no other sacrifice remaining, has no other option remaining for them to escape God's judgment. If we... If we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Now, this is not to be thought of as as in uh, Jesus' sacrifice runs out. But rather that there is no other means by which people will be saved. If you do not cling to the sacrifice of Christ, then you have no way of salvation. There is no other sacrifice for you. Remember, Hebrews has just gone through uh, an evaluation of the Old Testament sacrificial system and judged it lacking. That there is no sacrifice apart from the one of Christ that is sufficient to remove guilt and sin. And so if we go on sinning deliberately, that is, if we reject the sacrifice of Christ and just continue on whatever path we want to, uh, rejecting the call of God on our life to repent and become a child of God and to begin to live like it and that 's what this is referring to this going on sinning deliberately it is to to sort of hold of as uh, no consequence the gospel um, to to just go about living just as if the gospel has no uh, no implications in my life, no hold on my life that, that I 'm free to live, however I want to, for my purposes. Uh, it 's a display of a lack of faith and trust in Christ, a lack of submission to his authority. And for the one who would go on living as if uh, Christ sacrifices nothing to them, there, there is no way of salvation. Now that does not mean that a person cannot repent and and place their faith in Christ and, and receive the hope of eternal life. It just means so long as someone continues in that path of rejecting the truth and not responding to it by faith, there is no way of salvation. Because the only way of salvation is through Christ. verse twenty says seven says it is a fearful uh, the only thing remaining is a fearful expectation of judgment, a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries you know we we have a, a unfortunately a, as part of the, the the human condition, we have this problem of only sort of believing are trusting in the things that we can experience through our senses. Um, we smell smoke, so we know there must be something getting hot or burning. Right? Um, we uh, we 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 see something, and so we believe it to be true. Um, and yet, there are realities that exist out of our sensual experiences. The fact that there is a spiritual war going on right now, as we sit here, that there is a spiritual war going on. You may not see the heavenly bodies involved in this spiritual war, but they exist. They don't need you to believe in them to exist. They exist in reality, just not the one we see with our eyes. And the reality of heaven and hell, though we don't see them with our eyes, exist. The coming judgment of God, though we may not feel like we are witnessing it, and certainly we are not witnessing it here as it's spoken of, uh, though the judgment of God is being poured out throughout the world and in various places against sin, uh, it is not being poured out at the measure that is mentioned here in Hebrews. This is a final judgment being spoken of here, and we have the the really uh, bad habit of of trusting only in what we see, trusting only in what we can uh, experience and uh God is calling us to a level of faith by which we trust Him with the things we can't see and experience with our senses. Because these things are real. And whether we choose to believe in them or not does not have an effect on whether they are real or not. Um, You know, I, I can't see... Uh, the home that I live in right now. But I don't doubt that it still exists. In fact, I'm banking a large part of the plan of the rest of my day on the fact that it's still there. Right? That's faith being exercised. And it's such, it's such an ingrained faith in me um, that I don't even consider it. I just plan my day around it. Right? That it's there when I go back. God is calling us to a level of faith in Him where it is much the same. Uh, Just as I use this example a million times, you guys have a lot of faith in these pews. I know that because you sit down in them every single week. You exercise that trust. You put the full weight of who you are right there. Right next to other people who are doing the same thing. And you're trusting that bench not just with yourself, but with everybody sitting next to you. To trust God in that same way, to put our full weight in Him, and to do it without even thinking, should be really an aim of our life. That we become so trusting of who He is and His capabilities and His Word, that we just automatically, our default mode is to put our full weight of who we are into Him. And that is what we're called to. Which requires us to move beyond trusting just in the things that we touch, Smell, see, hear, taste. In fact, Hebrews eleven starts out with, "Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen." Um, And so, the way that we express this—that this—the reality of God, the reality of the things that we can't see—is by the way we put our lives. We entrust our lives into him, into his hands. And we make big decisions in our life um, where we can't always know what the outcome is going to be, yet we we express our faith in him by making these decisions out of faith that he's gonna be there, that he's going to carve out the path for us, that if this is the way he's called us, that his Everything we need is going to be uh, provided for us along the way. Uh, much of the uh, part part of the Christian life certainly is measuring up the cost and benefit. So as we come to a point of receiving Christ, we measure out the cost and the benefit. Uh, receiving Christ will cost me what, and it will gain me what. And as believers, we have weighed out that cost and we have judged whatever I have to, whatever this is going to cost me, the benefit, it far exceeds the cost. But there is a lot of the Christian life that is, uh, we're not able to count all the cost yet ahead of time. We don't know what it's going to cost us. And we don't know what the outcome is going to be. And with that, we trust God. As we move forward, that we walk by faith and not by sight, that we can't do all the accounting ahead of time. You know, we have a building project. Ideally, what we want to do is, right, sit down and go, it's going to cost this and this and this and this. We weigh out the cost and then we decide, do we want to do it, right? But with the Christian life, a lot of it is, is we don't get to just go line item, and figure out what it's going to cost us. And what, what, what twists and turns are going to be along the way. We walk it by faith. And chapter 11 is really gets into the depths of that. The examples of people who have lived that way. But the reality of God's judgment is every bit as real. And every bit on its way whether we see it coming or not. You know, we, uh, uh, sometimes we, we can get caught off guard. You know, there, I don't know if you've done this, but we have, there's seasons and cycles, right? And somehow, these seasons and cycles that we've been going through for years somehow catch us off guard every time, right? When it snows at the end of October, we're like, what? Where did this come from? Um. And, and then we start going, oh, I better finish getting my wood in, right? As if we didn't know that was coming in like March or April or May, right? Um, these things catch us by surprise every, every, every season, every year. Oh, it's our anniversary tomorrow or today, right? Uh, these things catch us by surprise. Like, wow, well, I didn't see that coming. God's judgment is going to catch us by surprise in that we don't know the day of its arrival but it should not catch us by surprise in the fact that it comes that day is coming Matthew chapter 13 47 Jesus talked about God's judgment he said and again again the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A description of uh, what happens if we find ourselves without Christ before a holy and righteous God. Verse 50, uh, that they would be thrown into the fiery furnace and in that place there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth is a description of such agony and torment at the soul level where there is no respite from it. Um, I mean, we've gone, we each have gone through difficult seasons. Seasons that we would never want to go through again and seasons that we wouldn't wish on anybody. Do you know that has no comparison? No comparison to what is coming for those who reject Christ. I've said it before and I'll say it again. For believers the worst day you have ever experienced on earth is the worst it ever gets. It gets no worse. It only gets better. But for those of you who reject God's gift of Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for your sins, your best day on earth is the best it ever gets. And your worst day, it only gets worse. Hell is unfathomably horrific being in the path of god's judgment where even even in the worst places on this earth where evil is being done there is still yet some amount of god's mercy and goodness present even in the worst of places but hell in hell there will be no mercy there will be nothing of any goodness there will not be that cool drink after a hot long day there will be no no rest from from the torment revelation chapter 20 verse 11 then i saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from his presence earth and sky fled away Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I remember as a young person um, being uh, read these, this passage... And it shook me to the core because up until that point, I had largely assumed that um, because I had grown up in a Christian home and grown up, you know, going to church, and I could answer, you know, a lot of the Sunday school questions, um, that I, I, I somehow had come to believe that that made me good with God. And then I was presented with this, and it made me want to know for certain that I was good with God and not just bank on it. I did not want to get to the end of my days and have the surprise waiting for me that I had rejected Christ in my heart and not received the gift of salvation and that now I stood in the wake of God's judgment forever. But I wanted to I wanted to know like like, like the Apostle John says in first John, I wanted to know that I belonged to him. I wanted to know that I had eternal life. I wanted to know that I was a child of God. And that put me on a, a path of of really searching out the Word of God and and, and asking others about what it takes to be right with God. Because I I was terrified that this is where I was going. And apart from Christ we should be terrified of that. Now we can sit here and we can try and block it out of our mind as if that day's never coming. But please listen, it's coming. It is coming. It is one of the surest things that you can count on, the coming of God's judgment. It is coming, and it is coming for each one of us. And there is only one way of escaping God's judgment and punishment, and that is His Son, Jesus Christ. So if you're hearing me today, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you wake up and you give your life to Christ. Where you no longer hit the cruise control button and just coast. Because it's out of sight, out of mind. Listen, it's coming. Like your next birthday, right? If you keep drawing breath, it's coming. You can count on that. God's judgment is coming. And it is not something to make light of. It is going to be a horrific, horrific day for many, many people. I hope not for you. And the only way of escaping God's judgment receiving forgiveness, receiving eternal life is by believing in Jesus Christ. So that we don't, aren't just looking at the fearful expectation of judgment and a fire, fury of fire that will consume us. John 14.6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is but one way, and it is through Jesus Christ. Again, in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And I would include in this, uh, you know, imagine, imagine you have a terminal illness, and you try to deal with it, by just blocking it out of your mind and living as if you don't have it. Does that make it go away? Does that take away uh, the effects of it? The reality of it? No. And the reality is this that there, God's judgment is coming, and there is only one way of salvation, and you, you can block it out of your mind that it's coming, it's still coming. There is a severe punishment for those who reject the Son of God. In fact, there's a comparison made here in verse 28. It says anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So there, if anyone were to to uh, disregard the law given through Moses, there was a punishment, and and for certain, uh, uh, for for certain. Um, Uh, offenses against the law your your life would be uh, your punishment that your life would be taken verse 29 though and this is something that we that hebrews has previously made known to us that as great as moses was and as great as the law given to moses was god has given something greater in fact, in the outset, the very first two verses of Hebrews, it says that uh you know that God had spoken through the prophets, but now he's spoken through his son. Implying that there there was truth being spoken, but there is something greater now that has come in Christ, that the Son of God has spoken. And again, in chapter three, where there's a comparison between Moses and Jesus made where where uh, the judgment given to us is that Jesus is supreme even over Moses and the law. That the gospel message that Jesus has brought, the way of salvation, is a greater message even than the law of Moses. And the example to us here in this passage is that there was a punishment, a severe punishment for those who would break the law of Moses. Moses. So, by way of comparison, if Jesus is greater and the message Jesus brings is greater than Moses and the law of Moses, then what is it going to be like for those who reject his message? How much worse, it says in verse 29, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved? And that's, the, I, don't miss that word, be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which He was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace. There is a more severe punishment, much more severe punishment coming to those who not only just disregard the law of Moses, but disregard the Son of God. This is a a very uh a much less example than the one given to us here, but I was thinking about um you know things we offer to one another and the weight we put in those things, and how sometimes we can offer a gift to someone that is such a personal thing that we're giving it is we have so much of ourselves invested into this thing we offer that a rejection of it is is a deep offense, right? And then there are other things that we offer that are of not much consequence, right? Like, would you like a water? Like, if you say no, I'm not offended, right? It's not a big deal. Um, you know, if, if you come over to our house, we'll offer you something, right? I don't know. Depends what, what day it is that when you show up as to what you'll get offered, but we'll offer you something, some kind of refreshment. Um, and if you say no, I'm okay with that. It's no offense to me. But I was thinking about, you know, uh, Jenny and I, when we were in Uganda for a short time, we got the opportunity to go to, um, to a lady's home and sit with her and her family and on the way, as we're walking across, across town to get to her home, which was just a little, just a, a very small um, shack, I guess you would call it, dirt floor. Um, I can't remember how many people were living in there, but it was way more than the space was meant to accommodate. And, um, and living right next door to a lot of other people doing living the same way cooking on a little fire right outside their their front door. Um, And on the way home, she spent what very little money she had to buy food to cook and offer to us when we got to her home. So we're walking with her to her home, and she's stopping along the way and buying food that she's going to prepare for us uh, to eat that day when we're her guests at her home. And it was one of the most humiliating things I've ever been through, um, in, in, in a good way. But, um, was uh, you know, we sat down in their home and the daughter was preparing the meal outside. And, and then the meal was prepared and they set two giant plates. We're sitting on a little couch with, I think there was a little table in front of us. But they offered these two giant plates of food to us. And we're sitting across from the lady and her children who I don't know if they'd had anything to eat that day. And they all sat there wanting us to eat the food on the plates. To reject a gift like that is a slap in the face. So you come over to my house and I offer you a snack or some water. It's not that big a deal. But this woman who gave her last bit of money that she earned in a very difficult way, and to offer this gift to us meant she was depriving her own children of food that day. To reject that gift was to reject that whole relationship entirely. So we sat and we ate, every bite, having a hard time to slide down. And um, I think we, we got to the point where we said, oh, we just couldn't eat anymore. <laughs> you know, we're so full, and, and the kids were very happy to, to clean it up. But um, I'll, I'll never forget that gift that she offered to us. Well, as special as that was, God has offered to us His very Son. And to reject that gift, it's not like God's just saying, hey, if you want to come aboard, come on. No, this is far more serious than that. This is not, hey, God's offering a choice to you. You can take it or leave it. You know, it's up to you. This is, God has offered His Son for you. God's Son has been put to death for you. To reject that is to reject God entirely. There is no hope of salvation if you reject the Son of God. If you reject the gift God is giving you, there is no way of escaping His judgment for that. It is a deeply personal offense against a holy and righteous God. To reject his son, whether you reject it by saying, I want to have nothing to do with him, or whether you reject him by just being indifferent to him. Either way, it is an, an absolute insult to a holy and righteous God to reject this gift that He has given you. And so we have three things presented to us in verse twenty nine. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which He was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? To reject the gift of Jesus Christ is to reject uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit the gift of the Father of His Son, the spent blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God who gave Himself for you and I, and the Holy Spirit who is ever calling us to repentance and and faith in Christ. Convicting us of our sin and pointing us towards Christ. Now specifically, we're talking about a person here that has received the gospel message. They have received this knowledge that God's judgment is coming. They have received, like you are today, received this this truth that God's judgment is coming and that those who are unrepentant and denying of Christ uh, stand in the path of that judgment and have received the truth that God has given His Son For you to rescue you out of that path of judgment, and yet you sit and reject it. You are trampling underfoot God's very own Son. You are profaning the blood that was spilled on the cross, and you are outraging the Spirit of grace. Those are some pretty ex- that's some pretty extreme language. Because there is no greater sin ever committed than the one where you reject the son of God. There is no coming back from that. If you are unrepentant in rejecting the son of God, that you have placed yourself in a terrible path of God's judgment. And we're told there, we're reminded in verse 30, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Um, You know, we we live in a culture where you can make some pretty big mistakes and yet still find a way out of it. Um, In fact, Just a lot of situations where, unfortunately, you can do some pretty heinous evils and still find a way out of it, receiving the full and just punishment for that. But there is no way out of God's judgment. There will be no escaping it. There's no clause that you can appeal to in the law. There's no loophole. Um, There's no escape hatch. When God's judgment comes, it comes complete. But praise God that He has given us a way of escaping it. In fact, um, we're not. I'm not going to go full into it. But this little, this paragraph that we're in today, it was one more, one more, a uh, reminder and warning. And then goes back to verse 32, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. And so Hebrews reminds them, but that's not you. You've been rescued out of that. And praise God for that. John chapter 3, verse 16. Um, Look it up with me, actually. John chapter 3. We've, uh, you know, for many of us, we've heard or read this part of this passage so many times that it can go in and out and and not even uh, disrupt our day in the slightest. Um, But this this passage really should stun us every time we read it. It should make us pause um, whatever we're doing when we hear it. of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God if you have uh, not believed and received Christ yet there's a familiarity to to your pattern of of living in a, in a selfish and a way that's against God. And the idea of exposing your very soul to a holy and righteous God is a fearful proposition. But take comfort in knowing that God did not even spare His Son in order to save you. If you come to God repentant and broken-hearted over your sin and appeal to Him to make you a child of God through the blood of Christ, He will not turn you away. There is no sinner so, so, that's so big a sinner that God would turn them away should they come to Him broken-hearted and repentant and by faith in Christ. How many times I've heard, you know, uh, and maybe you have too, oh, I couldn't go to church, lightning will strike that place. Well, if that were true, it would have happened a long time ago when any of us set foot in here. But God's grace and mercy are so abundant towards us when we come to Him repentant and brokenhearted. It's time to come into the light. If you haven't come to Christ yet, if you haven't given your life to Christ, it's time to come into the light. It's time to entrust God with your life. It's time to receive the gift that He is offering to you in Jesus Christ. We do not know, and I I, I know that this is... Uh, sometimes used just to whip people up into an emotional state, but it is true nonetheless. We do not know when we will draw our last breath. And Hebrews assures us that the very next thing that will happen for us after we draw our last breath is the judgment of God. So you might assume that you've got another 40, 50, 60 years ahead of you or more. You might assume incorrectly. None of us know if we will even be gifted with tomorrow or this afternoon. And the next thing that comes when we die is the judgment of God. And my question to you is, if that happens, and you have assumed incorrectly, are you going to escape the judgment of God? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? It's time to come into the light. And for those of you who have come into the light, it's time to call others into the light. How many times we keep our mouths closed when we alone stand in a conversation who carry the hope of eternal life and the forgiveness of sin. How many opportunities we squander to steer someone who can heal the soul not just their circumstances. Who can give them a hope of eternity, not just for a better weekend than the last one. God has entrusted this to us to carry into a world that's broken and corrupt and rejecting His Son in their heart. and i would kind of throw into this that you know as i read this for me this speaks a warning to my own heart not just by way of of one making sure that i am trusting in christ and by way of of making me aware that of calling others to trust in christ but also to take stock of my life are there areas of my life where where I disregard the Son of God. What I mean is, specifically today, as we come to the communion table together, do we disregard the blood and the body of Christ by making this a thing that we just do once a month? It's cool. It's a cool religious ceremony. But we disregard that this is a consideration of the Son of God having given His life for you, an undeserving sinner, for me, an undeserving sinner, first Corinthians, I want to read this uh, before we go into our time of communion together, but first Corinthians chapter eleven, verse seventeen, if you would turn with me there, I don't have it up on the screen for you first corinthians eleven seventeen that in our worship, having now become believers in Christ, that we root out every place in our life and in our worship that disregards the Son of God. That, that um, doesn't hold Him in the highest place of glory and esteem in our heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, But in the following instructions I do not commend you, because when you come together it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. about the other things I will give directions when I come. Paul was deeply concerned about about the Corinthian church, the fellowship of believers there, holding the body and the blood of Christ uh, with with contempt or indifference. So as we approach our time of communion together, let us not make that mistake but to examine ourselves before God, to consider the body and blood of Christ that was given for us, to approach this time with such gratefulness in our heart that God would spare not even His Son in order to rescue us, to make us children of God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it doesn't much matter... um, whether you grew up in this denomination or that denomination or whether no denomination at all or no church at all, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this is why we do this, to remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ together, to give thanks to God for it, and to rejoice in that God has spared us His judgment through the sacrifice of His Son. And if you are in agreement with that today, we invite you to participate with us as we receive communion together. So we're gonna, um, I'm going to pray and, and then I'm going to invite you as uh, music's played um, to make your way to one of three stations. There's one back there, one over there, and one here to take the bread and the, and the juice back to your seat and then we'll receive it all together. Father, we thank You for Your great mercy that You have poured out on us for giving us Your Son to save us, to give us a future and a hope that we do not deserve and we could not earn, to rescue us from a judgment that is coming against all people. Lord, I, I just... Pray that if there's anybody here that continues to resist you, Lord, that you would have mercy on them and penetrate the walls of their heart and soul that have been put up against you to knock them down and to uh, flood them with an overwhelming, um, the overwhelming reality of both their sin and their guilt and of the sacrifice that you have given for them. That they would give their whole life to you. Lord, we come to this time with such gratefulness, Lord, knowing that we can never do what you have done, nor could we ever be worthy of it. But you have given your son for us, and let us never in any place in our heart and mind hold this gift in contempt or in any kind of disregard at any level, but always to esteem it so highly. For there is no other name by which we must be saved. There is no other sacrifice for sinners. So we come to this grateful and repentant. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. ...to one of the one of the stations to receive the communion. Well, indeed, church, I was going to read a little passage of Scripture here to close it out, but um, but I'm kind of compelled to... uh, do something slightly different today that we don't normally do, and that is, uh, has God blessed us with His Son? I think it's entirely appropriate for us, in light of the uh, the reality that we stand apart from Christ, we stand as sinners in the path of God's oncoming judgment, and that we have no escaping it, unless. God sends his son for us, which he did. And because of that great gift, which is the greatest gift that we will ever receive, it is incomparable to anything else. I think it is, uh, I think it is uh, entirely appropriate for us to just give verbal expression to how grateful we are to our Father in heaven. Would you agree? Yes. So let's make some noise to say thank you. Just holler, say amen, clap, thank God, praise God. Holy smokes, we're going Pentecostal. Hey, you guys have every reason to celebrate if you are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has done something incomparable for you. Rejoice in that. Give thanks for that. Don't let it be lost on you for even one second of one day. Amen.